Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in those Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in America's heartland. Hey, I'm your host, James Bell, and I am thrilled to share the studio today with, with Tammy's son, <laughs> and I promise you... I promise you this is going to be a fun episode. If you've noticed we're laughing here, this is it's because we're on about take six of the intro. Tammy is the co-founder and CEO of Carrot Fertility, and she has an impressive background uh, with past <laughs> with the, past the, roles at Evernote. <laughs> and uh, keep watching. This is going to be a fun one. <laughs> exactly. Also, the Federal Communications Commission yep. and the White House. Really impressive. Tammy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, let's kick our conversation off with one of my favorite questions. Yep. And I think the easiest one to slide into this with, which is tell us your story. What should we know about Tammy's son? Well, it's great to be here. I'm coming up on, let's see, I think two years in Bentonville. And um, we got here, yeah, a couple of years ago from California during COVID and just absolutely fell in love with this town and this community. To be totally honest, thought it would be temporary um, Mm -hmm. and just absolutely got sucked into the art, the culture the people, and just really how, how dynamic this region is. Very nice. That is not an unusual story. It's your unusual story, but I hear all the time some variation on that where people are like, I got here and wondered why would I leave? Before we talk about carrot fertility, yeah. I'd love to set the stage for listeners. Can you talk about how common infertility is? Yeah. So infertility affects about one in eight couples who are opposite sex and trying to achieve pregnancy through intercourse. That doesn't actually account for infertility or fertility care, for example, between same-sex couples and and single intending parents Mm -hmm. who may be looking to pursue parenthood through fertility treatments or adoption or surrogacy. But certainly infertility, which is the inability to conceive between two people of the opposite sex, is also a growing problem. And it's growing because both men and women are having children later in life, whether it's their first child or they're expanding their families. The pursuit of parenthood is is happening later and later. And so our biologies are not any different than they have been. And so, you know, the, the challenges of that are much more commonplace today than a decade ago. Wow. So when a couple experiences infertility, then is this something that's covered by healthcare benefits normally? Traditionally, no. The history of IVF goes back about 40 years. And for many, many decades, IVF was not covered by health insurance and in many ways was considered almost a luxury, a luxury mm. consumer good. If you 
had the money and you could afford to pay for it, then you could have access to fertility health care. Obviously, that was incredibly limiting. And therefore, the people who had access were largely wealthy. They were mostly white. And, you know, most people didn't have the access that they needed. Got it. Okay. I think that sets the stage perfectly. Tell us about Carrot Fertility. What are you up to? Yeah. So Carrot is the largest platform in the world for global fertility healthcare coverage for employers and for health plans. So that means we make it easy for companies and health plans to give employees financial coverage, emotional coverage, physical support for every aspect of lifelong fertility healthcare, starting from you know, before you're even ready to achieve pregnancy, through IVF, through egg freezing, through pregnancy itself. And then this year, we were excited to launch a product and a solution for menopause and low testosterone. Wow, that's, that's really impressive. I've, I've known a few people who suffered from infertility. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing really is, is quite amazing. So I dug into PitchBook to see what I could learn about carrot fertility that I had not already found other places. And I guess what I learned was that, you know, founded in 2016, that something happened in 2020 where you had this giant growth curve or growth that happened. So could you talk about sort of the history of the company, I guess, founding through 2020 and what in the world happened in 2020 that caused all that growth? Yeah. So, you know, I started thinking about this problem in in 2016 and incorporated the company. And really at the time, it was largely an infertility conversation. We were just beginning to think about proactive fertility healthcare, largely in the form of preservation. So Mm -hmm. egg freezing, embryo freezing, sperm freezing was just sort of beginning to enter the national conversation at the time. And over the last few years, I think we have seen a rapid acceleration of this of this type of benefit at work, driven mainly from employees themselves. As I mentioned earlier, same-sex couples who look to pursue parenthood do not have the same ease of using traditional insurance products, if you're lucky enough to have it, as others. And so the products and the services that employers and health plans were using were really out of date. They were really clunky. They were really exclusionary in terms of who would have access. And so as we moved into 2018, 2019, we saw a broad opening up of the conversation around fertility and infertility and a lot of the social stigma starting to come away. And then 2020, um, of course, we all experienced the pandemic and it just put a huge spotlight on the need for telehealth. And so we really doubled down on our telehealth solutions and the telehealth features in our product and saw enormous adoption and engagement, more than you know, 300% increase, for example, in the utilization of mental health support. That makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, I figured telehealth must have some kind of play there. Uh, could you talk about or give the audience some sense of how Carrot is scaled? I mean, how many people around the world have access to your uh, services? And then how many employees do y'all have? And and kind of where are they? Are they in one place? Are they dispersed? Yeah. So we cover many millions of people in over 120 countries around the world. Our fastest growing customer base is U.S. multinational employers. And, you know, since we experienced the pandemic, we actually went from having offices in San Francisco and New York. Um, We're thinking about opening one in Chicago to be a fully distributed workforce. 
And so now we're about 400 employees in, I believe, you know, more than 40 different states across the country. But we also have teams around the world in Europe, in Asia, in, in Canada, and elsewhere. Awesome. I'd love to come back to fertility healthcare, but let's talk about yeah. um, Bentonville for a moment yeah. because you described where your employees are, but here you are in Bentonville, Bentonville, Arkansas. Take us through the journey, I guess, a little more that led you to this place. You talked about a little at the beginning. Could you talk about that more? Yeah. So, you know, um, I think, you know, we we were in sort of the middle of San Francisco during COVID. That was a very, very challenging sort of time for mm-hmm. all of us, of course. Um, but in Northern California at the time, there were also a lot of forest fires. It was a really, really bad forest fire year. So we thought that we could just find somewhere, have a backyard, wait it out, and then return to the Bay Area when all was sort of said and done and, and well again. My sister actually lives down here. And so we thought, okay, well, why don't we go sort of hide out in Bentonville for you know six months and wait, wait for everything to, to get back to normal? But as we know, you know, there was no returning to the, to the before times um, and there is a new normal now. So we just got really excited about what we were seeing in the community, the energy, sort of the investments that were going in, not just in, in, in the art and in the culture, but also in, in the tech sector as well. There's a lot of excitement and a lot of great entrepreneurs in Northwest Arkansas. And so we just felt really comfortable being here and decided to stay. I love hearing that. This is the kind of place where we're trying to build a place where folks are comfortable being here, right? Where everybody's welcome. And you're right. There is so much happening that we've discussed on a lot of our episodes with what's happening in the entrepreneurial community and sort of the uh, the energy of this place. Let's talk more about fertility healthcare and, and benefits. I'd like to dive a little bit more into that. Will you talk, in fact, a little more specifically, I mean, I think I'd like to evolve to sort of women's issues. Mm -hmm. Will you talk about how the lack of fertility benefits has really affected the pay gap? Yeah. So, you know, in this country, you can agree or you can disagree whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. Most Americans get your health care and your health benefits through jobs. I know I do. I don't know if you do. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is more than Medicare and Medicaid combined. And so when you think about compensation and benefits, what is included as part of your health care is a really, really important part of how you think about compensation. Because if it's not included, if it's not covered at work or through your health plan, then what happens is that you ultimately have to pay for it yourself. So when I did my fertility treatments, it was not covered by my job. It was not covered by my work. And so I ended up spending you know, many tens of thousands of dollars paying for that, access, accessing that care for myself. Now, I'm really lucky that I had, you know, 10,000, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in a savings account that I could draw on to pay for my health care, but most most Americans don't. Most Americans don't have a single paycheck in in a savings account. So, you know, women already make what 80 81 cents on, on mm-hmm. the dollar when you think about having to then forego making an investment in a retirement account, forego making an investment in a home, um, real estate, you know, anything like that, it, it actually widens the pay gap because you're going into your personal accounts, your personal savings and having to pay for it yourself. So when we work with employers at Carrot, you know, we really talk a lot about diversity and equity 
and inclusion, we talk about that from sex, from sexual orientation, from age, from gender. And, and for many employers, this is also an income equality issue. And they really want to make sure that the, the health care that is offered at work is, is equitable. Great. That, that makes sense. I mean, I've, I think I've been on all sides of this issue. I've, I've, in terms of paying for health care, uh, I've, I've paid for health care as a self-employed person. I've gotten health care through my employer at a wide range of the types of health care yeah. benefits uh, available. And then I've employed people and had to pay for their health care and tried to navigate this. And you're right, fertility benefits are not something, it, it, it's been hard. Yeah. Is, is where it's been. And, and I'm glad that uh, you're addressing this. You know, hearing what you said earlier about same-sex couples and so on, sounds like this is not just a women's issue. That's right. Infertility and fertility treatment is is a men's issue too. So men don't get off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's important that we recognize that men have an important role to play for the benefit of of women, actually, it's it's not just an issue that women have to think about and manage and make decisions around. Half of you know all infertility cases um, can be attributed to male factor infertility. Mm-hmm. So, for opposite sex couples who are going through fertility treatments, it's really important to um, examine the male he- side of health as well. Wow, it's it's really something to think about that men don't get a pass. For all the reasons that we talked about before that you mentioned before, the trend lines are really such that people are having babies later in yeah. life. And I see this as an economic developer, not as the just the potential for stagnant population and population decline, but then the result of that is economic decline. And that's problematic. You know, we think about many issues then as affecting women or we think about many issues that affect women mm-hmm. as women's issues. But if we, as we've just discussed, certainly they're not just women's issues. They're everybody's issue. One that comes to mind, though, is funding for women founders. Historically, women founders haven't gotten close to the same funding as, as men. Can you talk about how that's changing and how fast we should see it change? I think the height of female founders accessing venture capital dollars was, I think, 3% of, of female founders. It's it's wow. back down to 2, 2%. And, you know, obviously there are major, major challenges there, structural challenges that are baked into how capital is distributed and, and, and who can access it. You know, I think for any female founder who is listening to this or watching this or is thinking mm-hmm. about starting a business, the things that I would encourage them to do is really stick very close to your customer. When I was first starting Carrot years ago, you know, a lot of investors were saying no to the business because it was too small, it was too niche. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this wouldn't be something that men would ever engage in or care about. And, you know, only a certain type of woman would care about fertility, so on and so forth. And so, you know, I was, I was shop, shopping my wares up and down Sand Hill Road and getting quite a lot of rejections in the early days. But what was interesting and, and what got me through that time was that at the same time, most of my prospective customers were saying yes. So, you know, I'd go from an investor meeting that said no to a customer meeting that said, oh, I can't wait to get my hands on it. 
or, oh, I was just talking to an employee who was having trouble doing X, Y, or Z and, and really needed um, access to, you know, better egg freezing coverage. And, and the conversations with, with employers and with customers were really rich, really dynamic and spotlighted a customer need that we really thought at Carrot we were able to identify much earlier than, you know, than, than investors would. So if you focus on, on your customer and, and you focus on sort of the problem and solving problems for customers, then I think you can, you can find your way there. Funny thing, when customers buy <laughs> Things investors, people pay attention. You pay attention, right? I mean, you've, you've bucked the trend. You've mm-hmm. raised more than $100 million. So congratulations. Thank you. I mean, you talked about rejection. I mean, how do you really, especially for the first-time founders out there who have maybe not experienced yet the sheer amount of rejection that they're going to see, whether they're male or female. Yeah. How do you, how do you get through that? So I, I actually wish that somebody had prepared me better for this before, before I started. So hopefully this can help somebody out, out, out there. You know, when, you're, when you've decided that your business is venture scalable mm-hmm. um, and you, you deliberately decide that venture funding is the way that you are going to grow. It's a, it's a very specific type of growth and it's right. a very specific path. It's no better or worse than any other building, any, any other kind of business, but it's just very unique in, in what it requires. And one of the things that it, it requires of founders is a, a deep sense of resilience. And you will be rejected 1,000x more times then you will receive any sort of affirmation or before any, anyone willingly writes you a check, especially, frankly, if you're a female founder. And so I think that, you know, really kind of building a sense of, of resilience early on that as long as you are, you know, world-class at understanding your problem, your solution, your customer, stay focused on the fact that all you need is one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all you need. You, all you need is, is, is one, is one investor to support you. So be resilient. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and maybe Excellent. find, and find other, you know, find other founders who, who, who can be sort of, uh, supportive of you and, and, and with you. I've found just over the years that, that, that has been something that has, you know, been very helpful to me. Don't, it is a very lonely process, but you don't have to necessarily do it alone all the time. That's such important information. I think people do need to understand that there are so many people out there who've done it and they're willing to help Yeah, because they understand that road. They've traveled that road yeah. and it's really a LinkedIn connection or a phone call away if you already know them and so on. So yeah. that's really great advice. Well, I feel like this is a good time to talk about something very exciting that's happening here. So three lovely ladies here in the Northwest Arkansas ecosystem. I saw. Oh my gosh. You know, so Natalie Shu, yeah. talking about you. We're talking about you, Elizabeth Bringer, and April Roy have successfully founded Fem Health Founders, mm-hmm. which is going to create 50 women-led Fem Health companies in the US Heartland by 2026. So assuming they're watching. Mm-hmm. Hope you are. What's the most important advice that you can give to them as they embark on this journey? Well, there's a there's a few things. Maybe I, I'll just offer a couple of things. The first is I would not. I mean, just kind of on what we were talking about. It's it's a very taxing process to build mm-hmm. a company, and I wouldn't I wouldn't deprioritize sort of taking care of of yourself. 
you know, when I, when I was first starting Carrot, I, you know, was, I don't think I, I really understood the value of, you know, maintaining a previously rigorous, you know, healthy eating schedule, mm-hmm. making sure I'm getting the appropriate amount of sleep and, and, and continuing to get exercise and focus on movement. Those things are, are really, really important. They're super easy to cut out, but they're, they are really important, important part of the journey. And so I would, I would encourage investing in, in taking care of yourself and self-care. The other thing is, which, which it sounds like they're already doing, which is, which is finding your community and finding others who are as committed to the mission and, and the work as you are. So I was, you know, very fortunate early on to find, you know, a couple of co-founders that were really instrumental in helping to build, you know, the initial first team, the initial first version of the product and, and continuing from there. So I think, you know, having, being surrounded by, by high quality people is, is a huge, huge benefit. Oh my gosh, you're right. I mean, I've seen so many startup founders surround themselves by people, but it was really surround yourselves by anything, by yeah, anybody. Be and selective. Yes. I hate to say it, but many of them were their friends who aren't always the right people for a startup. So a, a good way to keep those friends is not get them involved in the startup when they're the <laughs> wrong people for starters. But you're right. Taking care of yourself is yeah. so important. I see a lot of founders who who don't. Yeah, do that. And their business suffers too. So take that little bit of extra time. It doesn't take a lot of time actually to take care of yourself. So FemHell Founders is one of the many amazing things happening here, as y'all found out when you landed that there's so many incredible things. Could you talk about how Bentonville, if it has, has changed you professionally and personally? Yeah. So, I mean, Bentonville is it's so special. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit um, hard to put into words and it's also a little bit, you know, I, I, I only want, I only want the best people to, to come here. You know, I don't, I, I feel like it's a little bit of a, of a secret that, you know, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant a little bit to give away because it's, it's so wonderful. You know, the community, I would say is the best part of Bentonville. You know, I lived in San Francisco for many years. I lived in New York before that. I've lived in London before. Never once did I really sort of know and befriend neighbors, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that sense of people looking out for you is, I think if you, if you're not familiar with it and you just become accustomed to, to not having it is, is actually really psychologically taxing over the long term. And so I think one of the things about Bentonville that I've been super surprised at is like the sense of just community, belonging, and it's a weird thing to say, but almost safety um, in, mm-hmm. in being here. And so I think, you know, not every small town actually has that. It's not a function of being smaller. That's right. um, you know, it, it is, you know, I've, I've been to lots of small towns. I've traveled many, many places and it's not the size. It's, it's a special mix of, of ingredients and, and values and, and the priority of sort of prioritizing each other. We have, there's a great, it's a great um, piece of art at, at the momentary outside on, on the, on the outside of the building that says like, you belong here. Yeah. And I just think that really encapsulates what Bentonville's about. It does. I love that sign. If, you know, if we all carried cards around that just said that on it, I think it would be fantastic. You're right. This place attracts a special kind of person. And I'll, I hope it only continues to, yeah. I mean, I want different people, right? Yes. Different lines of thoughts and so on. But 
in general, the types of people who are attracted here seem to be builders. Mm-hmm. And I, I, folks have probably heard me say this on the, the podcast before, but in my mind, builders are the ultimate givers yeah. too. They're the, a true builder is they don't just take, take, take. They also give and they give of themselves and of their time. And, and really they lean in and say, oh, you're working on that? Lovely. I want to help you build it. Uh, what, what can I do? Who can I connect you with? And, and then all the connections are a person or two away too yeah. here. And I think that's really what's going on here. Oh, I, I think the best builders of, of companies or, or of anything really, really kind of approach it from the perspective of like service. Mm-hmm. You know, building this thing is, a act of, is an act of service. And I see that a lot in this community. That's cool. So tell me a story. We'll make it a hashtag because Bentonville story. That is something that is, is either a story or a moment in time where you went, wow, that's something that only happened here or maybe describes the essence of, of Bentonville. Oh, man, there's lots. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here today, uh-huh. um, you know, talking talking about I've never been involved in, you know, or Karen has never been involved in a chamber of commerce uh, okay. uh, as an example. And, you know, we are just so excited to lean into this community. And the the thing that I think is unique about me living here now that is different than anywhere else that I've lived is that. I feel invested in making a contribution. Mm. You know, I think that Bentonville is so rich in what it offers from its people to the art, Crystal Bridges, the momentary, the food that, you know, you, you kind of get into this. I feel very strongly that I don't just want to be here and, and sort of take the resources. I feel very invested in making sure that I am an equal participant and am able to contribute to the fabric of the community in, in some way. So, you know, when you kindly asked me to be here, I absolutely wanted to make sure that I was able to do it. And, you know, I tried to look for as many opportunities in the community as possible to mentor other founders, talk to people who, you know, may want some advice, even if I, you know, don't know them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it is definitely a very sort of deliberate goal to, to, to be a contributor. I appreciate that. And I feel like it's a place that just kind of sucks you in, right? Yeah. And says, ooh, invest more of your time here. Invest more of your money here. Invest more of yourself here. And, and that's that's just what seems to happen. Okay, as we start wrapping it up, yeah. if an employer wants to know more about fertility benefits or especially carrot fertility and you, how do they do that? Yeah, so carrotfertility.com is our website. And we work with, you know, more than 500 employers and health plans to make sure that employees have an easy and affordable and high quality way to access every type of fertility care over the course of their entire life. And for me, I'm on Twitter, Tammy Sun. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. So you can follow me there as well. Excellent. And I bet you're there. I bet you're there as carrot fertility. Yeah. That'll be our own inside joke for this show. Final question. For the bloopers. For the blooper reel. For the blooper reel, yes. (laughs) Final question. What should I have asked you that I did not ask? Oh, good question. You know, let's see. Maybe like what's what's coming up? Like what's next? What's in in the future? What's that? Um, (laughs) What's next? What's in the future? Let's see. Building a house here. Yes. Yes, In Bentonville. What else? You know, we're at Carrot. We're really focused on, you know, continuing to deepen 
the product and the service offerings across you know, the entire global population. So we're really excited about all of the new things that we'll be building for customers to service employees, not just in the U.S., but outside of the U.S. as well. You know, we're very committed to lifelong fertility healthcare. So as I said, you know, we've recently rolled out a menopause product and very excited about that. Yeah, that's about it. That's fantastic. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for spending oh, time with me, with me. the Beacon audience. Yeah, uh, thank really you. appreciate it. Um, I appreciate your time and your your commitment to Bentonville and the Northwest Arkansas community and your your different investments. That, that really means a, a lot to me and I hope to our audience in the Bentonville community. Anyone who's who's watching, you know, please feel free to reach out if you're if you have questions or you you want to just you know get some advice or bounce ideas. I, I really do want to be um, a resource to the community, so feel free to get in touch. Great, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Hey, thanks to the Bentonville Beacon audience. If uh, you like what you heard today, please send a text to a friend or reshare this on social media. As always, come back and hear more about Bentonville and its leaders and businesses in this place in Northwest Arkansas where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. And also visit BentonvilleEconomicDevelopment.com to see all of our episodes or hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Thanks and see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. We hope to see you next week.